Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Tuesday, July 2nd. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. He's my main man, Kevin Walsh, and we put the fun in functional sports content. Kevin, you know, we've turned to July, and July is the month that we're going to have American team sports back in the United States. And I I, I got to tell you, I'm kind of getting excited for baseball. They've gone the back and forth, right? And we knew that it was a bad look. We saw how the sausage was made. But now we're here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's kind of all in the rearview mirror. And we are three weeks away from having baseball. You know, I'm looking forward to here on the early line. We're going to start doing two-a-days today, right? We're going to do a little roster reset, find the value for certain teams, bring back our diamonds and fugazis, this time in the fantasy baseball aspect. But Kev, we decided we wanted to dedicate a chunk of time today to Major League Baseball. You know, like when spring training starts and you start to get that bug? I want to put ourselves in that mindset. So we start with some headlines from Major League Baseball. And the first thing, you know, I, I don't know if we remember, like, this is part of getting into that mindset, right? Like, first of all, the Astros are cheaters. We have to remember that. The other thing we need to remember, the Mets are up for sale. Okay, remember, I think that's kind of hysterical. Um, you know, we obviously know that they're the butt of jokes between the Bertie, Mandoff, Bertie Madoff scandal and kind of how they have fiscally managed um, their franchise for a while. And we have more points on that to come. But what I was struck by, I saw an article, they've pre-approved seven potential bidders. I think uh, A-Rod and J-Lo make up one of them. The vitamin water guy make up another one. You know, we're talking billionaires here. But what I was struck by in seeing this, Kev, we hear about the fiscal problems of the Mets, yet, you know, their franchise has grown in value, like over this last decade, more than threefold, okay, from something like 750 million with an M to 2.4 billion with a B, okay, and they are still, because of the franchise, because of things like SNY, the regional cable network, they are still the sixth most valuable franchise in Major League Baseball at 2.4. Obviously, the Yankees even double that at 5 billion. But when we start talking about these kinds of numbers, no wonder the owners want to maintain their profit margin. Yeah, but it's also why, hey, there's wiggle room, right? <laughs> like I saw some people talking about the idea of like, look at how much all of these teams cost, right? Yeah. And, and all of these owners are saying, oh, this is so financially irresponsible. And not one of them, right? The Mets situation was going on before, right? Yeah. Have, have all of a sudden said, you know what? I'm going to sell the team and cash out. Because it's so profitable to run right. a baseball team, right? Absolutely. I will say this in terms of the Mets finding a new owner. Mike Rapoli's the guy. Yeah, I was thinking this too. Yeah. Here's the thing about, here's the thing. He went to the same high school that I did, right? Oh, okay. Okay. Native, Queens native. That's the way to do this. The thing is, listen to any Mets fan talk about the Wilpons. I'm not sure there is a more disdain yeah. between ah, and fan. James Dolan. Oh, true. Man, New York is full of I'll them. give you Yeah, yeah right? And I, I, I didn't have to go far to find one. Team colors to give right. me enough. I didn't have to go far, brother, but I found one. Right. Yeah, but otherwise it would be like Donald Sterling or something like that, but yeah. Something about the Wilpons that like you just like that, just the way you say it, right? You know how much it bothers Mets fans. Mike Rapoli, Queens guy, I'm not sure if he's a Mets fan, probably is. I think there'd be nothing better than them basically having a really wealthy Mets fan running the Mets. Some people think, oh, that's a little dangerous. No, 
my expectation would be Mike Rapoli comes in. I think he might be partner with A-Rod. He lets those of people... A-Rod and J-Lo yeah. bit. Yes, I he do think that. A-Rod handle a lot of the stuff, right? right. But what he will do is open the books because right. he's here to watch his Mets win. Yeah. All the way in on the Mike Rapoli takeover. All the way in. <laughs> You, know, you talk about big names also in a previous uh, existence. Remember I told you I worked for uh, Reviving Baseball in Inner Cities. Uh, one of our kind of friends and contributors was Jerry Seinfeld. So I got to sit in the Jerry Seinfeld box at City Field a number of times. Maybe he wants to add to a bid. But Rapoli, as you mentioned, that's vitamin water kind of money, right? You know when I think vitamin water money, you know what I think of? 50 Cent. And you know when I think about that, you know, 50 Cent was one of those guys that do kind of like a concert in City Field on like a summertime Friday, so it all comes full circle, you know, but also, you know, I was also thinking, remember we talked about Kevin Durant buying an MLS team, and that was something like $60 million, yeah, but this is $2.4 billion, but it could also be, you know, guys like Durant and whatever, getting in on the ground floor, right, because it has definitely uh, kind of skyrocketing the growth of MLS, but that's a different story. I wanted to bring this up also, Kev, because, you know, you're one of those millennials, okay, I have known this story every year for like the last 25 years. I wonder if you know about this story. Yesterday was July 1st, right? And so you talk about the Will Ponds and kind of the disdain in a fan's voice about the Will Ponds. And a lot of that, from at least my experience and Met fan friends that I have, are they're upset about the financial stuff. And they blame like Bernie Madoff from kind of handcuffing the Will Ponds and like their fortune. The Will Ponds got took by Bernie Madoff as part of the Ponzi scheme, right? So people have thought, does that mean they don't go after big free agents and things of that nature? Well, when they thought they were just making that good interest off of Bernie Madoff every year, they thought when they had slugger Bobby Bonilla, a good at this point, like 30 years ago, and he was looking for a big time contract. They had a different way of going about it with Bobby Bo. I'm sure you're familiar with this, Kev. They decided to spread this out over like 30, 40 years, okay? Instead of giving him the lump sum that he was supposed to have or the big pay, like, you know, the $8 million or whatever it was per year, they spread it out. Bobby Bonilla, yesterday, still, he hasn't played for the Mets. I think it's been since 1999. But yesterday, 20 years later, Bobby Bonilla got a $1.19 million payment from the New York Mets. And guess what, Kev? He's going to get that every July 1st until 2035. They spread it out over like 40 years to pay him $1.1, $1.2 million, which is in essence what they thought was going to be just interest from their Madoff money, right? But now they're in the financial problems at the end, but they're still paying Bobby Bo. How would you feel? You wake up, you're 20 years retired. You wake up on July 1st, bang, 1.19 hits my account. I mean, what a what a wonderful life yeah. that is to live. What a life to be like his agent that's getting the 10% on that today or whatever it is, you know? Because, like, that is... I mean, obviously, like, that's a wonderful salary, right? Sure. Like, if, if someone says that I, I make a million dollars a year doing my job, right? You'd be like, oh, that's incredible. Like, he doesn't even have to work. Like, and it's amazing in a way, too, right? And that, because, you know, like, and it's very sad, but there are some athletes that retire and the money's all of a sudden gone. That can't really happen to him. I mean, he basically gets a salary from the Mets that's, like, allows him to live very comfortably, I will say this, though. Of course I know about this situation. Okay. Because Bobby Bonilla is a very important part for any Yankees fans that are having very silly, nonsensical Yankees versus Mets debates when you're a bit younger, right? Like, Uh, as you grow, you realize all these things are a little silly, right? But, of course, you come out the gate, right? And you don't know what – now, you don't know why this argument started. Maybe there was a July game that the Mets won game one of a three-game set, right? Uh, and uh, maybe. Usually, right, and the Mets fans are now giving it giving right. it to you, right? Boom. DeGrom, best pitcher you've ever, right? And all of a sudden, you hit him with, well, let me know when you win a World Series. And then, right. boom, they go, well, we were in one more recently. And they go, boom, did you win that, right? And you keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And eventually, depending on how, like, you how much you've got, you, you go, listen, don't talk to me. You're still paying Bobby Bonilla. Well, let me tell you, though, because Bobby Bonilla gets the hype of this. 
But this is not abnormal. There are a number of other players that do have this kind of contract, including Kevin Derek Jeter with the Yankees still has money getting spread across. But right, that sounds like a good investment, though. Yeah. I know. Here, yeah. <laughs> As opposed to the joke that is Bobby Bonilla. Honestly, though, like you look at that, like you know, 2035. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to that. That will be like. I hope. I hope that like Bobby Bonilla like talks or something. Like I hope he's still alive. Yeah, like I'm saying, like I, I hope now. I hope the man is still alive to be able to reap the benefits of his full, you know, ultimately of his full salary. Let me ask you, Kev, if you hit the damn Powerball, if or right, you know, you're talking about this money, or if you got a scratch off, you know, thing that was like uh, ten million dollars or whatever, right? This kind of money we're talking about. Would you just want it all, or would you opt for some kind of spread like this? If you had something where you had $10 million coming to you, would you want the $10 million lump sum, or when the taxes are out, maybe something more like $6 million? Or would you be like, nah, give me half a million dollars over the next 20 years on, you know, on my birthday? Yeah. Oh, I mean, what a, what a nice trip. On my birthday as well? I feel like call that's the way. Call it April Fool's Day. Call it Christmas morning. Call it your birthday. I don't care. I feel like that's the way to go about it. I feel like if you spread it out. But if way, we're honest, Dane, yeah. I'd have to speak to my financial manager, who also is known as my mom. There you go. No. <laughs> if you get access to the money, you can then start leveraging the money for yourself. I'll give you that little financial advice as well. But I digress. We tip our cap Happy belated Bobby Bonilla Day to the world. But I did make the point, he is not the only one. It is interesting. You know, the Mets are up for sale. Maybe the new owner of the Mets renegotiates that contract. And it's like, here's the rest of it, bro. Get off our books. You never know. That could be possible Mike as well. Holy gets Bonilla. rid of Bobby Bonilla Day? Wow. Yeah, if I go for that, you know what I mean? Maybe I just want the, I want to be trending once a year, you know? And that is still... What can happen? I think about this New York team, the team across the river, the New York Yankees, who are the favorites to win the American League, who do have the highest win total, along with the Los Angeles Dodgers, in all of Major League Baseball. You know, one of the things that I think gives me more faith in their win total, Kev, is they've got a lot of players that are now back from injury. If opening day was in late March, right, James Paxton, number two pitcher, wouldn't have been ready. Giancarlo Stanton you know, 50 home run potential in a normal season. Wouldn't have been ready. Aaron Hicks, who they just re-signed to be their center fielder, you know, wouldn't have been ready. And another big bat in the lineup wouldn't have been ready. I think the Yankees are really kind of benefiting from being close to full strength. We will talk about that. We have some sound from Brian Cashman, but the Yankees are not the only team that's getting the cavalry back from the DL. We will discuss that when we come back. And, you know, Kev, you talk about guys with COVID maybe in the NBA, but like, oh, the team wasn't contending or, oh, it wasn't a big star. So it's not that big of a deal. I want to apply that logic to Major League Baseball stars that are returning, how much of an added oomph is it for them now that they got to, they're going to be ready for opening day. We discuss that and more when we come back. It's the early line giving you the edge right here on SportsGrid. Hey. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid. You know, I'm trying to get myself into the feel of baseball, and I want all of our viewers to do that. We'll go right back to the NBA and the NFL. There has been some developments there. Mm, I'm intrigued by what's up with your boy Zion, Kev. But that's a different topic for a different day. I mentioned that the Yankees had numerous, like, all-star level talent. Giancarlo Stanton, James Paxton, Aaron Hicks that may not have been ready in March but we'll be ready for kind of like, you know, spring training 2.0 and opening day 2.0 later on this month. Perhaps the biggest name, though, for the New York Yankees, Kev, is Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge had a rib issue, right? This is the guy who's like second choice for the AL MVP, for goodness sakes, right? And uh, it sounds like he is also going to be ready. There was a microphone stuck in front of Yankees GM Brian Cashman yesterday, and here's what he had to say about, you know, Judge and the rest of the returning Yanks. There's a great deal of optimism that uh, 
as long as there's no setbacks that he show at this early point, you know, prior to spring training 2.0 starting it, it appears that, you know, we can dream that he, his words will ring true when he said that he would be ready for opening day despite this injury and because of COVID and the delayed of our season that, that, uh, that looks like it is a real possibility and hopefully it can be. So Kevin, we've talked about this, right? This is big. I mentioned things like pitchers with innings limits who can go max effort, but you have to understand like four starting Yankees who would have missed a quarter of the season are now able to play a hundred percent of the season. That's a big, you know, that's a big boost for the Yankees, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how it could be anything other than that. The thing about the Yankees is with what they did last year, I think there was still optimism around this team that they would be able to push through it. But there was also a lot of frustrations. And I'm speaking from a personal viewpoint as also a Yankee fan. It was just that the way injuries usually work, right? Is you could have a season ravaged with injuries and then it regresses, right? And you have a good season health-wise. And for the Yankees before they played a game to be missing Stanton, Judge, and all of these, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Hicks, it, was, back, yeah. it was so much that, like, it was almost unbelievable. Remember, Severino went down again, and he's another big yeah. arm. He's going to miss pretty much the entire season with the time over again. But right, you know? And so that was kind of the thing as a Yankee fan. I was like, unless injuries kill us, Give me my ticket to the playoffs, you know? And so the fact that they didn't miss that chunk of time. But the Yankees aren't alone, Kev. There are a number of teams who are getting people back. And I remember that, like I said before, when we talked about the NBA, you were like, yeah, well, they didn't really have a chance to win the championship anyway. So that player opting out of the bubble in Orlando doesn't really rate for me, you know? Or you were saying, yeah, you know, it's just this wins low, so eh, not that big of a deal, right? I want to apply that same logic to the returning Major League Baseball players, right? And see, because I think guys like Stanton, Paxton, Judge, I think we can agree. Huge deal, right? Because they're big-time players and for a team like the Yankees that have designs on winning a championship, right? Another guy that is coming back, Kev, is Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander had injuries to his groin, to his lat muscle. Remember, I had always talked about also, he just had a lot of innings on his arm over the last couple of years with the playoffs and all that. He had surgery. He gets the rest. He has to only go 11 or 12 starts for the Houston Astros. Big deal, little deal, no deal. It's a massive deal, especially when you consider the fact that they lost Derek right. Cole. I mean, yeah. these two guys last year were going back and forth yes. for the Cy Young, right? It was a two-horse race, but just both horses came out of the same gate. Uh, Verlander being healthy is so important for this team. And the reason why I feel like his injuries were so concerning, right, is they were kind of popping up during spring training. Mm-hmm. So that was certainly going to, pro- I mean, you would think yeah. cost him time. Now that this kind of rest is important. And it is, though, I think something that's still worth keeping an eye on. 37 is certainly not young and right. his important right his importance to this team has only increased Absolutely. with the absence of Garrett Absolutely. Cole so Verlander health wise is something that you know you have to have to be keeping an eye on Definitely. You know, Kate Upton may be able to keep him feeling young, but that's besides the point. I think you're right without Garrett Cole there. Go look at the Astros rotation. It is not the best in the American League. You know, it is not in the top three in the American League, in my opinion. Another guy, listen, you know how much I am kind of finding my way onto the Angels, right? We talk about our teams, our guys, and one of the big-time reasons I think the Angels can be a boost in this condensed, truncated season is they're going to have Shohei Otani there the entire time, and he maybe has a two-way player. Remember what this kid can do. I think this is huge, especially the Angels seem to be to me one of those teams kind of right there on the fringe. You get another guy who could be the second or third arm in their rotation. Oh, yeah, and the fifth hitter in their lineup. I think it's pretty big, Kev. I think it's massive. I mean, Shohei Otani, right, is one of the few guys, right, that feels like in Major League Baseball they have the chance to be a genuine superstar, right? Like he's out there treating Major League Baseball like it's Little League where your best player (laughs) bats, you know, bats cleanup and and is the best pitcher on the team. And obviously it's not to that extent. I'll just say this one thing about Otani because – I remember when he, well, he was heavily, heavily linked to the Yankees, and people also talked about 
his decision to come over cost him a lot of money, right? Then he mm. needed to wait maybe one or two years, and he would have then been able to sign for like almost like a max contract, if you will. Obviously, there's no salary cap, but you know what I mean? Like a massive kind mm-hmm. of deal. And he came over. And I remember at the time I was doing um, morning shows, this was a while back, um, with Mike Blewett. And the mm-hmm. one thing that we kind of agreed upon is if he's risking that money, it's not because he's this eager to show up. There's right. probably some injury problems that are about to arise, and they have. The thing is, though, they can go away. Otani mm-hmm. is such a big part of an Angels team that you loved, and the more I've looked at, I, I've certainly started to, to think about as a team that has a really good chance, even if we're not going to get the expanded playoffs. Right. I just think it's, you know, value, right? Am I saying the Angels are going to win the World Series? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I like the value they present. I want to go back to the Astros, okay? Because we talked about Verlander, but, you know, Kev, one thing we may forget is they had a kid come up in the second half of last year that was absolutely ridiculous, Jordan Alvarez, okay? And he had some knee issues that were going through spring training. He's going to be healed up. I don't know if you remember you know, Kev, but Jordan Alvarez in his basically half a season, okay, 87 games played last year, Kev. The man hit 313. In 87 games, the man hit 27 home runs and had 78 ribbies. That's pacing to like a 50 home run, 140 RBI season while hitting 313. Maybe their pitching isn't as strong. Maybe they're not here in the garbage can, but they need Alvarez to consistently be one of the top offenses in baseball. I think this is a, I don't know if it's as big of a deal as Otani, let's say, but pretty big. Yeah, and look, as much as I have absolutely zero respect for this entire organization and pretty much anybody affiliated with them, the one thing that they've been able to do pretty consistently, um, and let's just say maybe the fact that these guys are coming up with the benefit of not cheating, right? But, like, it was obviously Altuve, right? Then Correa came up, and it's like, dude, look at Carlos Correa, right? And then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Like, it was just guy after guy after guy. That's why they were on the cover of Sports Illustrated, because they were the number one pick all the time, and they successfully made the right pick and built that up correctly. And Jordan Alvarez is just another one of those guys in that lineage, right? Like, he has the chance. Like, you know, one of the things down the road at some point we'll talk about because I know the FanDuel Sportsbook offers uh, most home runs. Now, that number is going to probably be almost guaranteed maybe be less than 20, right? But there's still going to be someone that's going to be a home run leader, and Jordan Alvarez certainly has a chance for it. Yeah, that's a good question. I'd hang the over-under at around 20, mid-20s, I think. But that's an interesting question for another day. I want to ask you about... We've been talking about the NL East a lot and how it's a very competitive division. You know, there are some aging yet dynamic potential outfielders or maybe even DHs in the NL in that division that I'm intrigued by that we're dealing with injury. For the Mets, there's Yoannis Cespedes, right? He's riding a horse. He's spinning a, you know, spinning a pig on a spigot, whatever he's doing these days. But they think he may be healthy, could be a perfect ready-made DH. That's for the Mets. In Philly... Andrew McCutcheon is coming back from an ACL injury, right? They thought he was going to be able to be back maybe in the month of May. We're in July, so he's the perfect example of would have gone from missing a month and a half to now he's ready for opening day. McCutcheon with Philly, Cespedes with the Mets. Where do you think is a bigger deal? Well, the thing is, right, I'm I'm just more drawn to the Cespedes situation. And okay. that, that's a bit of a New York bias thing. Fair. But the way that Cespedes has played out for this baseball team, this is just such a big, like, this is such a big opportunity because yeah. it's only 60 games, right? Like, he shouldn't be getting hurt during this reset, right? It's like and the, the fact that he can DH. Like, yeah. the fact that Cespedes can DH is so big, right? It's just a shame going. that he's not going to be able to use the rocket arm that he has in the outfield. But it just seems like those days are, are going to be behind us, right? Like, Cespedes having the chance to play, I don't, you know, 40 plus games for this team, right? Being able to do it at the DH spot, I think is very, very important. And it's one of the things that I'm honestly, one of the things I'm most intrigued by of the entire restart, because it's been a while since we've seen Cespedes. It has been a while, but you know, this guy can kind of 
wake up and hit bombs, right? So it'll be very interesting. I think you're right. If they just park him in the DH spot, right? Be like, listen, get me four at-bats every day. That is your job. And then, like, we'll take it from there. So I hear you. You know, Andrew McCutcheon, though, could be a good veteran presence there in Philadelphia as well. New manager Joe Girardi over there. Similarly, if I go to the AL Central, there are a couple of pitchers that I think are important to teams that have designs on making the playoffs and doing well in that division. On Cleveland, Mike Clevenger, who, by the way, was nasty before his injury last year, pitching to very strong numbers. I know I had him on my fantasy team. He was coming back from a meniscus tear. He had it he got it on the second day of damn spring training, okay? It looks like he will be fully recovered. They thought he might have been ready for opening day, but I think he is, in essence, the ace of their staff. And then if you look at Minnesota, you know, they brought in a guy, Rich Hill. And Rich Hill for the Dodgers, if you know, was like always hurt. You can never get him through more than five innings. But in this truncated season, and when guys may only go four or five innings, Rich Hill has a good ERA, always pitches well. When I think of Rich Hill for Minnesota, Clevenger for Cleveland, I think both of those are moderate deals. Well, the Rich Hill situation worked out perfectly because they right. knew that they were going to be missing him, right? So if that's the injury he's going to suffer, then you've already won. Got it out, right? Right, and then Clevenger, I mean, just to put this really simply into perspective, has the fourth best odds to win the American League Cy Young. That's a really, really important baseball player. Yeah, no, absolutely. There are some other teams, some other players, the Cardinals with guys like Miles Mikolas and Jordan Hicks, the stud reliever. We talked about in fantasy, you know, a guy like Alberto Mondesi can get you stolen bases in this season by himself, and he will be healthy. There's a lot more to think about, maybe not as uh, much moving the needle, but it's something to adjust to when you are previewing teams. We start our two-a-day previewing the Baltimore Orioles when we come back right here on The Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Welcome in, everybody. Back to the early line here on Sports Grid. Kevin and I, we're starting our two-a-days, the crack of the bat. You're not spitting out sunflower seeds or tobacco this year, but all the other things that make you think of the quote-unquote boys of summer because we are in summer and we're getting going. We start our two days. We're going to be in the American League East now to start. And we start with the Baltimore Orioles. And, you know, you may be like, oh, the Orioles, there's nothing to talk about. But no, Kevin, we talked about like win totals yesterday, right? A, a, a sharp play may be to just take the over on Baltimore because it's so hard for them to actually go under the number, right? Like when we talk, for example, people thought Miami was the Dolphins. We're going to go 0-16 last year. Right. They, hit it, they hit their over. On win total. Okay, so when you think about these teams, it is not, you know, it is not always the cinch bet to go under the lowest or over the highest. When I look at the kind of 60-man player pool in Baltimore of who they are inviting to spring training 2.0, I got to tell you the truth, though, Kev. This is not a major league baseball team. This is a triple-A baseball team. And then they have, like, the contract of Chris Davis. And, like, yeah, Ty Block has shown that he could be a decent reliever. But when I look at these names, you know, this does not – it does not look like major league talent, Kev. Yeah, I think the best thing that I could probably point us to is uh, a quote from their GM, uh, Mike Elias, who who had this to say, and it was, this was earlier back when we thought there was going to be a season, but I'm not sure the mindset will have changed much. Um, he said, right now we are in the mode of making decisions for our prospects that are oriented toward their developmental goals first rather mm-hmm. than the goals of the Orioles roster. Rough translation, right. Trust we're the tanking. Trust we're, the process. Yeah, we're trusting <laughs> it, dude. Hey, what's that good? Goodbye, right? And the young kids will just keep getting more and more time. So, and the thing is, though, like, how much of that mindset, Dane, changes 
when you eliminate 100 games. Because, I mean, I even saw Brandon Hyde, right, the manager, kind of like, you know, they talk. We're aware of where we are in the American League East, right? We get it, right? It would be it would be so dishonest for me to come out here and say we think we're going to win this division, right? And I'm, right. I'm certainly paraphrasing and expanding a bit on what he said. But in a 60-game season, I'm not telling you they're going to win the American League I'm not telling you that, right? What I'm telling you is it's 100 less games than you usually get. I don't, I'm not saying that the Orioles are going to go out there now and not put their young guys out there. It's just that, like, this team last year was 4-1 and one to start the season, basically. Okay. If the Orioles start 4-1, and one, right, you will all of a sudden be like, oh. And I know what you're like, oh, only five games. But it's in a 60-game window. I just – I'm wondering if they still view this as a complete whatever, like, type of season. And not even whatever, but they just they, – winning is so secondary to them, right? Yes. Or at least it was. And Player just, development, that's they it. They feel yeah. the exact same way. Odds are they probably do. I think they do, you know, and here's the thing. It's interesting. We were just talking about the Houston Astros, and you were talking about Springer as, as it related to Jordan Alvarez, right, and the pipeline keep coming. This has proven to be effective over the last decade, okay? I mean, the Houston Astros, you just mentioned it, they won a title, right, with kind of tanking and bringing up the kids and just prioritizing the kid development. The Kansas City Royals won a title, you know, with a lot of influx of the young kids from their farm system, the Alex Gordons, the Hosmers of the world that led that team. The Chicago Cubs did this in the last decade, and it worked to the tune of ending the curse for a World Series title led by the stockpile of kids that they had, the Bryants, the Rizzos, the Schwarbers, you know, the uh, Javi Baezes, we can go on. The idea of trust the process right? We haven't seen it in the NBA go all the way to fruition of raising the championship trophy overhead. Maybe the Sixers in this variance kind of playoff can do so, but it has proven to be effective all the way in baseball, all the way back to the Florida Marlins doing it not once, but twice, right? Breaking it down and then actually doing it for a World Series championship. And Kev, when you have the Baltimore Orioles, when they have the New York Yankees in their division, right, the leaders to win the American League, that's like the Miami Dolphins can tank because the Patriots are there anyway, and it makes no sense to consider yourself a contender until that window has closed and until that cycle has gone through. So if I'm the Orioles, I'm thinking, Yankees are pretty young right now. I got they. I ain't competing with them over the next four or five years anyway. Let me go to the bottom of the cycle, and then hopefully I put it together and I have a good young ascending core when it is time. In the same way I tell you as a Jets fan or the Bills, right, they wanted Sam Darnold and Josh Allen to be ready to pounce as Tom Brady walks away. So, no, Kev, I think it is a completely, you know, the same approach, the idea of the, the varial potential in a 60-game season, I don't think is not enough to change the short, medium, or long-term plan of the Baltimore Orioles. And as it stands right now, they are—you ready for this, Kev? Plus 150,000 to win the AL East. I had to, like, literally count up the zeros to make sure I said that correctly. They are 1,500 to 1 to do that. The Yankees minus 290 to win the division. Tampa, who we'll talk about um, tomorrow, it's 3 to 1. The Red Sox, who we'll talk about in hour number 2, 10 to 1, 22 to 1 for the Toronto Blue Jays. But as we mentioned, Kev, their over-under is 20 and a half. In a 60-game season, that's in essence a third, 333 winning percentage. You mentioned last year they were right around that winning percentage. I get you that there could be some variance, maybe a hot start. Maybe the kids are too dumb to know what they don't know. Hmm. How you leaning? So they were 19-41 and 41 through their first 60 last year. Okay. You're right there. But... They also got rid of... They lost Dylan Bundy. Yes, they traded Dylan Bundy to the Angels. They traded Jonathan Villar, Villar who led them in war. I'm someone who cares about war. If you don't know that, you will figure that out throughout our reviews. War matters to me, right? So they got rid of, you know, two of their better assets, and they still went under basically a 20 and a half through their first 60 games last year. But 20 and a half is so low. It is so low that 
I can I think I can only play it over. And as I as I look through this roster, right, there's there are certain pieces that you're like, oh, this could be interesting, right? Renato okay. Nunez, right? Hans Alberto was interesting, and I'm sure you know I'm sure we'll expand on these sure. guys. I just think the over 20 and a half is one of the better plays you can make because you need so little for it to go right. It is impossible to overemphasize the variance that is now being applied in this baseball season. And I will say this again. We saw people who played over on the Memphis Grizzlies and over on the Oklahoma City Thunder were the only two overs that cashed out in the NBA because of the season being cut short. If we're being honest with ourselves, I can't guarantee you that we play 60 games. We just can't be honest about that. But if the Orioles get you over that number in a 50-game window, and yes, that obviously would be incredible for them, but it's still possible, right? 21 and 29. And if that then happens, you can cash out your bet because what we learned from the books is if you hit your over – even without, you know, because the caveat says must play 59 games. Yeah. But if you hit the over before that, they will be, they, they for the most part, they mm-hmm. are paying you out. So I'm leaning they, towards. They will get to the number of losses that they need to hit the under Absolutely. before any time that it gets Absolutely. suspended or anything like that, too. Very, um, but, so, but, it, but, it's, but I will say this it'll be hard for them to. It's, a, it's really, it's going right. to be hard for them to lose 40 games. Like, in if they 50. only play 47 <laughs> and they don't play the whole thing. That makes sense to me. I do want to ask you something because, you know, we're starting this highlight, these packages, these previews right now. And you talked about being a war guy, Kevin. Yeah. Can you give me a second? What is war? Okay. What is war? You know, kind of the value above replacement player. You build that up. It is a stat. And, you know, people may be used to, Kevin, seeing things like, a great player might have a 3.2 war, something like that, right, for a season. What does that mean? And what kind of war would, like, Mike Trout have in 60 games? I'm thinking, like, 1.1, something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, right, obviously it's wins above replacement. And my reason for believing in war, again, it's, it's, a, it's honestly, it's a very simple one. But at the end of each season, Mike Trout, if he plays a full season, has the best war in the league. And if he plays a little bit less, he's right up there in the top five. And I know that that backs up what I see when I watch Mike Trout play. And it's that he's the best player in baseball. Right. And it's it's a pretty – and the reason why I like it is that it's one of the very few things that is a catch-all stat that does incorporate a player's defensive value. Because one of the things that I think is happening a bit more in baseball, Dane, is people talking about teams' defense and how much it matters, Right. Like, occasionally, if you know a team really well, you might be able to say, oh, my second baseman can't, like, he can't field, right? Or the third baseman's right. a real liability defensively, right? And you know the guys that are that are awesome players, right, in terms of, like, outfield guys with great arms or, you know, right, Jackie Bradley Jr., when we're talking about the Red Sox, like, we know he's great defensively. Like, we know those things. But as far as, like, you know, if I asked you the best defense in football, you can rattle me off five teams, no sure. problem. For the most part, if I say, oh, you know, who are the five best teams defensively in baseball? It's not the same kind of conversation, but that's where I do think that war, right, is something that it incorporates all facets of the game, right? Like everybody's goal yeah. is to have a five-tool player. Right. Defense is a part of the tools, right? Sure is. So that's that's one of the reasons why I value war. Because when I look at Jonathan Villar, right, who leaves this baseball team, of course you you look at the fact that he was the best hitter on the team, but right, but it also incorporates them now having holes defensively. So that that's to me why I'm someone who will value war. All right, that's fair enough. That makes sense to me. Here's what we're gonna do. We gotta take a break. And you thought we were done talking the Baltimore Royals? We are not in our two days. We're giving you a comprehensive look. Kev, I have, you know, you talking about the over-under, the win totals, you know, how they could get off to a hot start. When we come back, Kev, I am going to tell you the correct way to bet the Baltimore Orioles. 
when we come back. We're also going to look and see, you know, you talk about war, you talk about these players. Are there any Baltimore Orioles that are worth rostering for fantasy baseball? Is there anybody you are targeting? We'll get into that. We'll continue talking about the Baltimore Orioles when we come back. He is Kevin Walsh. I am merely the spitting statistician trying to put the fun in functional content. The way to bet the Baltimore Orioles when we come back. I'm about to give you the edge. Come on back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Kevin and I, and I'm about to give you the edge, Kev. All right, we figure these things out together. Sometimes we come to our guys and stuff like that. You know, you were talking about joking that you're all in on certain members of the Orioles or Baltimore. So let me ask you this. I'm all in on a way to bet Baltimore. Okay. But it does not exhibit faith in Baltimore. Okay? And as you know, Kev, there is another show on this network that happens seven days a week, right? You've done that show. I've done that show. What's the name of that show called, Kev? Is that In Game Live? It sure is. In Game Live. Here's the way you bet the Baltimore Orioles. Live. That's it. Okay? Mm. I would, if I were you, and I'm telling everybody right now, set an alert on your phone anytime the Orioles go up one nothing in the first inning. I'm dead serious, okay? Because that is the way, and I've, I did this all the time last year, okay? Orioles playing the Yankees. That game at its start, Kev, the money line is what? Minus 320 for the Yankees? I ain't laying that juice. What do you think it becomes when the Orioles go up one nothing or 2 nothing in the first inning? You get it at like minus 140 or almost even money. The Orioles go up 2 nothing in the first inning. You might be able to get the Yankees at plus money. And guess what? Even at a 2 nothing deficit, I am hammering that live bet. That's the way to bet the Orioles, okay? And it's the same theory, Kev. You know this. When the underdog gets up, you maybe can get that value because the lines move. That's the way to do it. All Orioles games, you know, the opponent is going off at minus two, minus 300. If they get out the gate early, not in the season as you're talking about going four to one, but in a game going up one nothing. If they load the bases with one out in the first inning, <laughs> the line will move and they yeah. may not even push the damn run home. That's the way I think it. Look for opportunities where Baltimore gets up early and then play the other team in the live market. What do you think, Kev? Yeah, no, I think it's great. And the thing is, books have no choice other than to move the numbers. Right. Because runs are so valuable in baseball, right? They have to make an adjustment that will present you that opportunity. I mean, that's why we do in-game live, right? There you go. I'll tell you this. During the NFL season, right, I found this this strategy where I basically just started betting teams to score first. Mm -hmm. And if they did, I win. And if they didn't, I came back and I got a better live number. Whether nice. it was laying less right. points or I was now getting more points. And that's basically how I started. I kept getting teams right on scoring first, which was nice, right? Yeah. Um, but occasionally you find yourself chasing, whatever. I'll say this as well, though, about the Baltimore Orioles. I loved betting them last year against them when they were playing the Yankees, laying a run and a half. It right. was a treasure. It right. was a treasure. And I'll tell you this. There you is could have had a problem. Will Labor Torres go yard? <laughs> I'm telling you this right now, Dane. There's not a better feeling in baseball than when you lay a run and a half. Your closer comes in, your team's up one, they blow the save, you go into extras, right, and then you, you get- run homer, and they cover. It's the best feeling imaginable. Now, obviously, it depends on how much like you wager. Sure, but it sure. was, man, I had, there was one of those games, it was the Yankees against the Rays. Family gathering around the TV, <laughs> cheering on Aroldis Chapman blowing a save. Right, right. For Gary Sanchez to come up and get the job done. That's hysterical. I can tell you something similar. I was in a fantasy championship when games were played on Christmas Day, and DeAndre Hopkins made some crazy one-handed touchdown catch to put me in the lead, and I went bonkers <laughs> off of that because it was a thing of, like, was he in bounds or not? And I'm literally running around the house. The second foot was in. The second yeah, foot yeah. was in. 
<laughs> All right, but I digress. I, I literally, I'm serious though. Set a damn notification. If Baltimore scores a run in the first, look at the live lines for the opposite team. You seem to know what I'm talking about. Let's look at a little player base, right? In fantasy baseball, I asked you, is anybody rosterable on the Baltimore Orioles? As I look at some ADPs, Austin Hayes is like the highest ADP on the Baltimore Orioles at 246, Kevin. Um, so I ask you. You rostering any uh, O's? Yeah, so, look, I'm going to do the whole Chris Davis thing. And I don't care what anybody says. I'm in. I couldn't be more in. And I'm so excited to be in. I've decided to just be in on the Orioles. And if I'm going to do it, right? Yeah. If you're going to be in on Baltimore, then you got to be in on Chris Davis. Because you got to be in for the ride, right, that then is going to be Chris Davis. Look, here's, huh? here's what happened, though. During spring training, it was 15 at-bats, okay? I get it. But he hit four, 467. He looked excellent. He looked excellent in those ABs. He also, right, drew nine walks, right, in that number of plate appearance. Just for, for context, right, in his last four spring trainings, he cracked a 200 batting average once. Mm. So as much as the 467, small sample size, all of that, I get it, right? But he looked different. And his on-base percentage was up to 615 because he was actually drawing walks right. you might say listen again small sample size very fluky i hear that but we also have to think about chris davis contemplated retirement during the offseason and instead added 25 pounds of muscle <laughs> and i think there's a very real reason as to why that helped him he actually he offered up this quote that i thought was really telling uh in terms of adding that muscle he said it was yeah. nice to see some results and to have a little bit of peace of mind that what i was doing this offseason really worked you know, he also went on to say, for me, that was a positive confirmation to know that I could come back home and continue what I was doing and not make any adjustments. I feel like I'm still swinging the bat just as well as when the games ended, and I look forward whenever we can start back up. Now, this was, again, it was back in March, right? Right. But baseball is, and I think you can attest to this, Dane, it's such a mental game, right? It's yeah. about being in the right <clears throat> mindset. And, you know, when, when you try and, and go on a workout regimen, right, and if you're not seeing the results, it really will take a lot of the wind out of your sails. Yeah, that's but true. I think for Chris Davis, adding those 25 pounds of muscle and being like, man, and I'm seeing doing something the right. I'm doing something that's working. Momentum. That gives him the confidence. And then he goes into the spring training. Again, I get it, small sample size. But he looked wonderful. We're talking about a guy that was once wildly valuable. You're not paying up for him even remotely, Right. right? I, I'm excited about what Chris Davis can do here because if he even if he even slightly has this thing going, right in a 60 game window, this is a guy that could all this could lead the league in homers. We know he has that potential. We know he yep. does. That is true. I want to look at the pitching side real quick, and you know I think it's interesting. Alex Cobb, I think is going to be their opening day starter, right? And what's interesting is I look at some of the projection systems that are out there and to see, you know, in a full season that your ace is going to be projected to start like 11 games is another one of the things that we made a point about, right? This idea that they're going to be able to go max effort the whole time. I, I don't know that I can take you know, in football, there's PPR settings and standard settings. You know, in baseball, there's things like the win or the quality start. Alex Cobb may get quality starts, but he ain't going to get wins because the Baltimore Orioles ain't going to get wins, you know? And we're just um, maybe only going four or five innings. I don't know that there's any starters on Baltimore that I want. What do you think about Michael Givens, their expected closer, or a guy like Hunter Harvey, their expected closers? Because you need to have save situations, to get mm -hmm. saves, and they think Baltimore is going to win only like 33% of their games. Yeah, that's the problem. And that's why as a pitching staff, I mean, look, right, everyone's fading Baltimore, period, right? Like nobody's yeah. rushing to put Orioles on their roster. Right. But specifically when it comes to this staff, whether whether it be Alex Cobb or John Means, it, it's right. just the results I don't think are going to be there enough, right? And like John Means, right, who, who is either going to be Means or Cobb, right, as the opening day yeah. starter. Um, like Means isn't even really a, much of a strikeout pitcher, right? No, so it's not like you're going to get big boosts. None of those guys are. Cobb is not. You know, their relievers kind of are. I guess Asher, uh, you know, I'm always going to fumble his last name. Asher Wojnowski gets around seven and a half, eight strikeouts per nine. So that's not bad, right? But you're right. Yeah. These are like crafty softballers, 
you know, finesse stuff pitchers too. Right. And I think maybe if you're going to be excited about someone, it would be Hunter Harvey, right? I mean, he's okay. fucking, you know, over 98 on the gun and he's just, he's a young gun. Can he come out there give you a lot of innings? Maybe he's used in some bullpen work, which honestly, with you and I have talked about, might be way more valuable than ever before. Um, and then eventually maybe start some games for this team. I, I think that's all in play. But if you're going to look, to me at least, right, to, to try and find ways to be invested in this Baltimore Orioles yeah. team, I think it's way more on the offensive side. All right, fair enough. And you mentioned Chris Davis. You're along for the ride. Um, that sounds good. He, I think he had a season of... I think it was 54 home runs he had once, his biggest season. But, you know, he definitely mashes the ball. And the other thing about Chris Davis, he was one of those guys years ago that was like the 40 home run, but he'll hit 225. Now everyone hits like 225 with the home runs. You know, the idea of the three true outcomes, he was always a three true outcome player. And now it seems like the league has evolved to accept that more. We don't care if you strike out as long as you're banging bombs. And Chris Davis in Camden Yards should be able to do that. Kev, the last thing I want to mention about this, I just said Camden Yards. Mm. Um, I think it's a hitter's ballpark, right? They're going to be in there a ton against divisional opponents. I wonder if it helps the offensive numbers or if it helps the offensive numbers of the damn teams against them. But have you ever been to Camden Yards? No, but I have heard it's lovely. It is. It is. Um, I would say out of, you know, I've been to... I don't know, between 15, between 15 and 20 or so, just over half of the ones. And I will add my voice to the chorus that Camden Yards is an absolutely beautiful place. Okay. The way they went, and it was the first of kind of like that new wave of ballparks in, I guess, the mid 90s, I want to say. And they really, I think, got it right, right there. I highly recommend go on over to Camden Yards if you get a chance on, you know, on a summertime trip or something. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. My, my, my parents actually just made that trip. The, the only other yeah. things I just want to quickly mention um, with this team is just yeah. get, getting, you know, when you when you do some Baltimore Orioles research, you want to give the people what you found. Let it go, um, brother. And I will say, look, Renato Nunez last year hitting 31 mm-hmm. homers. That's a dude that has a lot of power. And if you're looking for late power at the first base position, uh, he should be eligible. And that's something to take a look at. And also... Uh, and this goes an overarching point, right? Because Hanser Alberto last year hit 305, like randomly yes. challenged for a batting title. And yes. again, they're not even remotely paying the price for that. And I'll just add, those two guys are a perfect example as to why I'm willing to bet over on a 20 and a half. Sure. Brandon Hyde, in his first year as a general manager, just random guys out of nowhere. Who's Hondra Alberto? Who's Renato Nunez, right. right? These guys having these big years. I just... If they are able to, if they're able to maintain some of the production that they got from the surprises last year, and then right. also add a couple of names to that list, all of a the sudden, then you know, if Ryan Mountcastle has a you know a big breakout mm-hmm. as one of their young guns, this team again, imagine being able to say that a 25-win baseball team flew by expectations. I think that's the opportunity that Baltimore has. No, I think that's true. You know, you talk about Hanser Alberto as well. But these guys, you can get very late. You don't have to go up yes. and get these guys. Hanser Alberto's ADP is 332, for goodness sakes, right? Like, but I hear you. Maybe the GM can, you know, hit on some of these young kids. That's how you build it together, right? The same thing is like when we saw Carlos Correa or when we saw Eric Gore, uh, Eric Hosmer, let's say, or when we saw Anthony Rizzo. So I buy that. When we come back, our number two of the early live... SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 